0: People are not going to change because you tell them to do so. We come to any decision with a lot of baggage. We have our childhood experiences. We have our genetic makeup. We have our social circumstances, our family, our peers, our community at large. So how do you help people initiate change and create that in a way that it is sustainable for them? That's the big question.
1: This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. One of the recurring themes of this podcast is uncovering how people make decisions and how we can get people to commit to change. This is truly a life skill that's especially critical for health practitioners to master because if you can't motivate a patient to want health for themselves, it's going to be very difficult to get them the desired outcomes. And this is why I'm so thrilled about today's guest, Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum, a leader in the field of health education and the founder, and CEO of the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, a collaboration with the Institute of Functional Medicine. Sandra trains people to become functional medicine health coaches and also helps practitioners and businesses hire them because she believes that the health coach as behavior change specialist is key to combating chronic disease and reducing healthcare costs. So Sandra, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be with you,
1: yeah. I'm really excited about today's sessions because, as I said in the introduction, we're all talking about how do people make decisions and how do we ethically influence how people make those decisions? And I think health is an especially important area that's near and dear to both our hearts. I think we all agree that the world needs more healthier people and people need more support in this. And so I want to start out. From all your years of training, expertise, teaching, and coaching the coaches in the industry, what you see as the key ideas that people need to bring to the place? What's at the foundation of getting people to commit to change and to commit to getting healthier?
0: It doesn't mean giving them more advice. It does not mean telling them what to do. People are not going to change because you tell them to do so. We come to any relationship, any decision with a lot of baggage. We have our childhood experiences. We have our genetic makeup. We have our social circumstances, our family, our peers, our community at large, our social determinants of health. And all of these factors, when somebody goes to see their practitioner, they're bringing all of this with them. And so people get frustrated as practitioners because they'll just think, oh, if you need to lose weight. Uh, you need to take this medication. You need to start a physical activity program. Well, how does that happen? And it doesn't happen because they are being given information. There's tons of information out there. That doesn't work. It doesn't happen because they themselves decide they're going to change. They make a New Year's resolution. Well, we know that those New Year's resolutions are broken, that most of them don't even last through January. So how do you help people initiate change and create that in a way that it is sustainable for them? That's the big question.
1: Yeah, and I'm right with you there because as a marketer, especially helping practitioners market their practice, that's the same question for me that so many practitioners ask Why do people not sign up for a discovery call with me? We're not even charging for it. What's up with it? I give my valuable time to help them out and yet nobody is taking me up on that offer. So at the very fundamental level, when we talk about neurobiology and how people make decisions, what is at the heart of initiating that change? What is the sequence of events? And obviously we can't go into all the details that you cover in your program, but Give our listeners some nuggets from your vantage point as the CEO of FMCA.
0: This is a concept that was developed by Richard Boyatzis. He is a leader in leadership and organizational development. And he wrote a marvelous book called Resonant Leadership. And one of the principles that he outlines, and this is very well researched, it's called Positive Emotional Attractors we may think of it as knowing your why. So imagine that you are going to see your practitioner and you are told that you are on a path towards disastrous outcomes. You don't lose some weight. You're going to be in serious trouble or you don't stop how you're eating. You're going to develop type 2 diabetes. So it may not be said in those words. It might be in a much more caring style, but that's the message. That somebody interprets like danger. What happens when the body senses danger? That's a fight or flight response. In other words, at some level, it might be barely perceptible, but you are starting to get into a stress response. Don't make efficient, effective changes when you are in a stress response. It's a visceral reaction. And you may rebel. You may go into the opposite direction. You might be resistant to that, or you might have the sense of you're not thinking clearly about what needs to be done. You get overwhelmed. That's another negative reaction. Like, yeah, I want to do this, but how do I start? It's so overwhelming. And what if I fail? My family's not going to be on board. So all of these are coming up. So the bottom line is these are negative emotional attractors. What we want is a positive emotional attractor. In other words, you have the aha moment and it's your moment. It's not the practitioner saying, I think this is going to be really wonderful. I think a keto diet. I have so many people who have made progress on this way of eating or way of being. And I think this is for you. Well, that's not going to do it. That's that practitioner's experience. But that person who's with that doctor, it's not their lived experience that they are going to just be able to automatically say, yeah, this is what I want to do. But what they can do is they can have that moment. And our health coaches call it that aha moment. And they love it. There's nothing better than sitting with somebody. It could be remote, but watching them experience this like, yeah, I want to be able to Play with my grandchildren. I want to be able to get up off the floor when I'm playing with them. That is the positive emotional attractor. Now, why is it so powerful? They have that image, that picture. They can hear it, feel it, taste it, that sense of that joy in that future self. That was what leads to then the decision yes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change.
1: Yeah, super powerful.
0: And it's really tough for the practitioner.
1: What makes you say that it's tough for the practitioner because they have not been taught or educated on how to really extract that, aha? Uh-huh.
0: Exactly. They are trained as the experts and I've done it too and you want it so badly for this person and you think you know the answer for them. And you have all of this knowledge. You've been to school. You've been to the latest conference. You've studied with the Institute for Functional Medicine. And you are really so wanting to share all this information. You want to see that person get better. And so it's very, very frustrating when either they don't come back or they don't take you up on all of the in ways that you have recommended that they need to change.
1: Yeah, I call it the expert's curse. And as a German, I like to clobber people (laughs) with information and it rarely works. If you do a webinar that goes into all the nitty gritty, usually the response is, wow, this was a lot of interesting information, aka I'm overwhelmed. I'm not making a decision because I just need to digest what you told me. You used all these fancy words. And again, experts, as you said, we're so highly trained. We want to dazzle people, maybe. That's the underlying emotion with our knowledge. But as you said, that's knowledge, that information. That's not the first thing that people need to hear to actually initiate care, initiate anything. It reminds me of one of my mentors is in the marketing world is talking about coaching to a decision. So a webinar should always coach to a decision. And that kind of reminds me when you said, we need to get people that aha moment, that's exactly it. How do we coach people to get to that aha moment that gets that positive emotion going that will then lay the foundation for them to say, let's take the next step together. So how can coaches help people change? Where is the role of coaches? in? And I wanna go there with our conversation because obviously you have a very unique vantage point of the power of coaching and especially in the functional medicine arena. So why don't we go there? And then I want to go a little bit more on the actual tactics of how coaches can help people. But what have you seen from businesses, clinics, leveraging health coaches in their practice, especially coaches that are trained in functional medicine?
0: Oh, incredible change in the practice. We now have a lot of research that is backing this up. When a practice has a health coach, everybody benefits the first person that's going to benefit is the practitioner. We know that there's a tremendous problem with burnout, especially amongst conventional practitioners. They are burnt out, they are exhausted, they are overworked. You have a health coach, the health coach is able to lighten the load. There are so many ways that a health coach can connect with those patients. They can be the ones who are helping with intake. They are helping with filling out forms. They are helping with advocacy work. They are the advocate for the practice. That lightens the load for the practitioner because they are so effective. Now, why are they effective? They're trained in behavior change. They're listeners. What happens if, let's say, you have an unhappy patient and maybe they are dissatisfied with the care they received, they felt they were rushed, whatever it might be, they're not going to feel rushed with a health coach. A health coach is listening, including listening to their grievance, and is asking the right questions so that we know there's some data that then that individual is more likely to give a positive review of the practice. They're more likely to refer friends and family. And so the other person that is going to benefit as well is the allied staff in the practice. And then the patient. We know that when coaches, are helping people, their biomarkers change. And there's one area that keeps coming up again and again in the literature, self-efficacy, empowerment. People feel they might have setbacks, they might not change 100% to the degree that the practitioner would like them to, but self-efficacy improves. They are more and more seeing that they're the CEOs of their health and they are becoming their own best advocate and advocating for the kind of care that they want. And that has a ripple effect as well with family members and peers and in their community. So it is really spreading the health, so to speak.
1: So do you find that individual practices still have problems finding these health coaches? Or what needs to happen from your vantage point that every practitioner actually gets to hire a health coach. What have you seen are the friction points for health practitioners to hire health coaches?
0: Sure. So one is they often don't think they can afford a health coach. Fortunately, there are many guides to that. We can walk people through how to make this a good return on your investment. In other words, your practice will gain. It'll become more lucrative Coaches add financial value to a practice, and this has been very well documented. They are also often unsure what to do with a coach. Okay, I know I want a coach. I don't know. What do they do? And often they will encourage them. For example, we've had... Practitioners who think that coaches can interpret labs. And so they will pass on lab work and say, go over this. That practitioner needs to review it first. So, coaches, it's outside of the scope of practice for them to be ordering and interpreting labs. They're the ones who educate, they support people and make sure that it's clear. You mentioned medical language. Well, they might not understand something in a lab report. A coach will go over it, but it is under the guidance and it is the, that practitioner who is the one who is doing the direct ordering and supervision. But coaches also, people don't understand that coaches shine when they're facilitating groups. Groups are such a powerful way for change to happen because then it's not just that one-to-one with the coach, but everybody is supporting one another in that group. It's social proof. Oh, if he can change, I guess I can do it too. And so that's what makes that so powerful. And that is another really great way that I think is growing. We're going to see a lot more with that group model.
1: Yeah, we had a recent podcast with Michelle Paris on talking about the power of groups. And she said the same thing that magic happens when people get together in a group format. And again, very practice efficient. If you can actually build community around a practice that we have that touch point, it's not just on you dealing with people one and one. So all good things that a practice may want to consider. You mentioned that there's some studies that you've done with the Institute for Functional Medicine to really talk about the impact of health coaching. What can you share about this with our audience?
0: Sure. So when people graduate from our program, we have an alumni program, and we started a couple years ago with IFM, the Institute for Functional Medicine. That's our collaboration partner, and they have an introductory course. And those primarily physicians going into that course, one of the requirements that it's optional, I wouldn't say it's a requirement, is that they undertake a personal elimination diet. For these folks, it can be really challenging. It's challenging for everybody to do an elimination diet. And that's why coaching is so powerful to have a coach help you through it. And so that's what we did. We paired those who said, Yeah, I want the option of electing to work with a health coach, working with our graduates for five coaching sessions. And then we had a waiting room control. Those people just got the typical guide to the elimination diet, but they did not receive the coaching. And there were significant differences when they looked at scales that were self-report measures. Now, they were not just working on the elimination diet, things that had to do with stress, for example, in their life. And they found that their well-being did improve. So we're going to be going further and sharing a lot of those results. But this is just one study that is added to the growing body of literature that shows the extreme power of health coaching. And the reason it is so powerful is because coaches are trained to be true listeners. They are coming to each encounter with somebody with mindfulness, and it's a judgment-free zone. So unlike practitioners, particularly those who have a specific orientation, coaches, what's called client-centered. This comes from humanistic psychotherapy. It was one of the modalities that I was trained in way, way back in the (laughs) late 70s, early 80s. And the idea is that you are along for the ride. It's that client's journey. They are in the driver's seat and wherever they want to go, and if they might be bringing up some things that you might think like, maybe you are a carnivore and they are saying that they are vegan. And so you might think, oh, this isn't so good for them. But how do you navigate that so that that individual doesn't feel like, oh, I have to obey the Practitioner or the coaches, because it's hard. It's really hard to suspend judgment when you are with somebody and they are talking about something that you're thinking, oh, I don't know if this is such a good idea.
1: Going back to what we started out at the beginning, what are some of the key traits that coaches need to bring to be really good at this? You know, when coaches join the FMCA, do they have other health coaching degrees beforehand or? They just decide that's their first stop. Can you talk a little bit about that process to help folks thinking about maybe specializing into functional medicine health coaching?
0: Sure. The good thing about health coaching, the entry requirements are very accessible So you don't need to have a specific degree if you choose to become board certified, which is after you graduate, we're an approved school, you could sit for the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching's exam, so you'll become a nationally board certified coach, you have to have an associate's degree. But other than that, we have people from all walks of life. Some are medical doctors, some are triple PhDs in molecular biology. We have CEOs. We have people who are coming from all walks of life in different industries. We have stay-at-home moms. We have people who are coming from corporate and they are choosing to become health coaches. So the beauty of this training is that if you decide, I'm never even going to be a health coach, but I'm going to have a personal transformation because that's what happened when you learn these skills. You are now a better communicator with family, with friends. If you're in your work, leadership. So you have those leadership skills. You have bring to those that mindfulness, hope, compassion, being a good listener, asking questions, being curious, these are the things that make a good health coach, also make a good leader, a good physician. And so we have many coming to us who are not going to go into health coaching, but then we have those who are so attracted by this field. It is growing, it is so needed, and they have a calling to serve others. And the world really needs coaches right now. We know that the incidence of chronic disease is off the charts and growing. And then emotional health and coaches can work with people. We call it subclinical. They're not therapists. They're not doing psychotherapy. We have a critical shortage of mental health professionals and coaches can play a huge role in supporting emotional wellness. That's a big growing, growing area out of need.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I certainly, the pandemic and COVID with people now being isolated and missing that one-on-one touch point that they used to have, it's created all kinds of mental health challenges that we're gonna see the outcome of not addressing that and not having a coach to walk this through. I personally feel that as entrepreneurs, being in entrepreneurial communities, so many people feel they have to struggle on their own and they're missing out again, that community, that way that there's a listener, somebody where they can unload, that's not their spouse that can mirror back and maybe help entrepreneurs become more successful by better managing their stress, better managing essentially their mental health. So I couldn't agree more. In terms of you, FMCA, you've said that you've now focused a lot more on helping practitioners hire health coaches. That is sort of one of the areas that may have not been at the forefront initially when you launched FMCA. Can you talk a little bit more about it? Because I remember when you first started a number of years ago, we saw you start this up. Everyone said it was a great idea. And now it's this big awesome enterprise that makes a difference in the world.
0: Thank you for that. Well, it's purely mission-driven. And I wake up every day just thinking about all of the people we have trained and the ripple effect of the differences that they are making. And so we want to serve communities of practitioners as well as companies who are struggling with wellness for their workforce. And so we started, just like we did our randomized control trial with IFM, we have some projects with some companies where we are offering five sessions of health coaching. And I love working with practitioners and so helping them to implement, to onboard. So we will help them find the right coach. We will help them to experience coaching, because this is something you have to experience yourself to get a real feel for what this is like, because it's so hard to shift away from that expert role as the coach. Oh, I need somebody with nutrition background who's going to tell my patients what to eat. But this is so different. And what it's so effective but when you experience yourself and with doctors being so burned out and exhausted so we want to serve that community by offering health coaching there was actually just a study that came out just last week showing that when doctors have a coach they are experiencing much less burnout so that is part of this initiative to help them get matched with one of our graduates and then help to onboard that coach and then offer support for them because, okay, now they have one in their practice. What do you? How do you negotiate some of the issues that come up when you have a coach? How do you implement them? When do they see patients? How often? And then what are some of the specific issues in terms of if it's a specialty practice or how to help them start a group, for example. So we are available to provide all that support. And then our graduates, as they're members of the alumni program, they are also getting support from us to deal with situations that come up in the practice that they are working with. So we're really committed to that uh, because we see coaching as the key to really, as I said earlier, to reducing chronic disease as well as reducing healthcare costs. And the good news is that the insurance companies are on board. So there is a movement. It'll be sooner. It's not a question of if, but when there will be reimbursement for health coaching through the payer system. And so when that happens, we'll really see an explosion and it's going to happen soon. The explosion of need for coaching and people accessing the service.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm curious, you mentioned that. I'm wondering, what is the typical business model? Is Are these coaches part permanent part of the practice? They're full-time with the practice or are there situations where people work part-time, maybe they work with different practices at the same time. What have you seen there?
0: Sure. So both those models exist and can work well. So it depends on the size of the practice. At one level, let me give you an example. There's an integrative medicine center that's attached with a very large hospital system in the Chicago area. And so what they do is she has a big Rolodex, a virtual Rolodex of health coaches in the community and community increasingly is anywhere in the world as because most health coaches are working virtually. And so she will make those referrals because in that system it might be challenging to bring on more hires they have very tight budgets the bureaucracy means it'll be a year before they get through all the the paperwork with hiring and so that is working well and then there are practices who want to try out a health coach and so they may work they may refer to someone in the community they may bring on one of those individuals as an independent contractor and that person would perhaps have a number of practices maybe they're doing group medical visits and so on monday they have their group medical visits for practice a and on tuesday with practice b and so that's another model and then there are increasingly practices that are large enough they can sustain a full-time health coach and that is a wonderful model where that coach is really integral it's more like a Coaching service, or it's a coaching practice, and the doctors are the consultants. They're the medical detectives. They interpret the labs, order the labs, and the coaches are doing the heavy lifting. They're forming that real significant relationship with people. They are the welcomers to the practice they onboard, they answer any questions, then that person sees the doctor. Often the coach is right there in that visit or for part of it. And then the coach will follow up from there, either individually or in groups. And so Dr. Cheng Ron at Texas Center for Lifestyle Medicine has that model. He has been a strong, strong advocate for health coaching. And that's how he runs his medical practice. There are a lot of practitioners there, but the health coaches are the primary uh, people to have that strong relationship with people.
1: Thank you so much for sharing this. I'm sure a lot of listeners would like to dive deeper into, okay, what's the next step to find a health coach, try a health coach. So I'm sure you have resources or where people can go next. So can you share those with our audience and we can put them also into the show notes.
0: Sure. So they can go to functionalmedicinecoaching.org and they can go to find a coach and we have a directory. They can also reach out to our alumni, alumni at functionalmedicinecoaching.org. And we will do a matching. We will help people. We will help them find candidates for their practice or their business.
1: Oh. And I know there's so many more resources that you have on your website. So for everyone listening, we'll put the link in the show notes so that you can check it out, dive deeper. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdoms here. I know we could talk so much longer, but we have a tradition that we always let the guests have the last word, that wish, for what they want in the world. So I'll give you the floor.
0: My wish is for every doctor to have a health coach so that every person can have a health coach so that they can enjoy the best possible life with good health.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Sandra. And everyone else listening, we'll see you next week. Thank you. I believe mastering persuasion is one of the most essential skills in life and certainly in business because nothing ever happens without a yes. Yet we can only effectively influence other people's decisions when we truly understand how the brain makes those decisions. Once you master the decision-making formula, your message becomes ever more clear and influential. Join us next week for our newest episode of Getting to Yes. And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Isalo. See you next week.